Welcome to the DVM Divas podcast. Today's hot topic, the generation gap, new grads, old grads, young grads, everybody in between. And we're going to start our episode off with a fail, Maria's fail. We'll get to that in just a moment. Anne has a great surgery win, and I'm going to share a hack that has been ripped out of today's current headlines. Join us as we go beyond the stethoscope. Welcome to the DVM Divas podcast. It's no secret that the veterinary profession is made up of thousands of amazing women. In fact, we're more than 60% of the current workforce, but it's also apparent that we've been struggling to stay happy and fulfilled. Well, join us, the DVM Divas, as we take this profession back from discontent. Listen as we explore the concepts that motivate us. Community. Making positive changes growth, compassion, and courage. Laugh with us, cry with us, celebrate with us as we define what it means to be a badass woman in veterinary medicine. Well, I would say hello, ladies, but... Just me. There's, there's just one lady with me tonight. Anne is with me, Maria is not. And we're going to get right into that. We're just going to jump to the fail. Ordinarily, we would keep that till the end of the episode. But if you listen to last week's episode, Maria's big win last week was that she had traveled to a conference and didn't get sick. Maria's fail is that she is sick and will not be joining us tonight. So we, we're going to just carry on and let her rest and recuperate. Yes. Uh, so, and last week I had the great privilege and had so much fun talking with the Iowa State uh, Veterinary Business Management Association oh, that's right. chapter. It was so much fun. A, a little bit of PTSD being back in a vet school lecture hall. Um, <laughs> But it is really a lot better to be at the front of the classroom and not in the chair. So for those of you, if you are listening and if you came and you were in the audience, I hope you enjoyed it. I had a great time. But one of the things that we were talking about, some of the students had some great questions at the end. And one of them was sort of navigating the generation gap. They are all obviously getting ready to graduate in the very near future. And I think they're thinking about, all right, what's it going to look like when I get into my first job and likely will be with bosses and owners and senior associates that are maybe in a slightly different generation than they are. At first, I wasn't sure what to think of the question because I thought, oh man, do they think I'm the old doctor? (laughs) (laughs) No, not the old doctor. No, nowhere near. Okay, good. We are still young. Yes, but I'm not the new grad. So I think we are, you and I, Anne, are actually in the gap. We are the generational gap. We are that middle ground where- We are the bridge. (laughs) That's right. So maybe we are um, good resources to discuss the topic. When you first started- right out of school and some of your early working experiences. Now, did you run into, and I don't want you to throw anybody under the bus. So, but did you feel like you looked at some, maybe some of your older bosses as mentors or was it more, Oh geez, I can't believe they're still practicing this way. So my first two bosses right out of school uh, were actually really amazing. So I feel very, very lucky to have the mentors that I did. They were both 
a lot older. Okay. Not that old. <laughs> like they were, I mean, we obviously bought the practice from them the, within six months. I had bought mm, the right, practice. Okay, right, so right. they were in that retirement. We're done practicing full-time phase. Yeah. And yes, I do remember more than once. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe you still do it that way. <laughs> but at the same time, they yeah. were very, very open to having me there. So right. I definitely felt like it was a two-way street. Mm-hmm. They made me much more comfortable with steroids than I <laughs> ever would have been had I gone anywhere else. <laughs> I mean, I always say that as a joke, but you know, you come out of school too. and you're like, I'm yep. never using a steroid I ever. Know. And then like you walk into rural yeah. America practice and you're like, mm-hmm. What's, what's the joke? The jo- nothing never dies without a steroid. Yes. Like, oh, my first boss told me that too. Let nothing die without Dex. <laughs> yes. Yes. Still adhere to that to this day. You've got nothing left and yeah, no money and nothing. Right. Is, it's all you got. going to hurt. You're going to make them feel good for a little bit. Dex and a prayer. <laughs> exactly. You know, it was kind of that interesting, like uh, they taught me a lot of things. They taught me a lot about client communication and they taught me a lot, but I too got to bring them like, like, oh, it was like we were putting in catheters one day and I did this little cut down thing and they're like, oh, wow, look at you go. That's a new thing. Like, show me that. So there was some like give and take and play back and forth. So now what was yours like? Yeah. So my very early experience was, I think, very similar to yours. I, um, you know, I kind of entered into a practice that had a pretty good mix. I was the new grad. There was another guy, another man there that was about four years out. So he was younger, but he was still mm-hmm. more experienced than I was. And then there was two full-time and one part-time, what I would say, older docs. You know, yeah, the ones yeah. that had been doing it for a long long, long, long time. They were, I think what really helped is they were receptive to new ideas. And so that made it easier for me to also appreciate their more tried and true ideas. Yep. I didn't have a chip on my shoulder. I didn't feel like I had anything to prove because I pretty well knew I didn't know anything. So (laughs) that whole imposter syndrome that we talked about, it was definitely there. So I figured they had to know more than I did. Now, as time has gone on, (laughs) there may be some things that I look back at and kind of chuckle and I'm like, okay, maybe that wasn't such a medically correct thing, but you know, yeah. what do you do? Live and learn. Now I, I'm sure I have my own, I call it, forgive my language, the art of the bullshit. Maybe that does kind of play into overcoming imposter syndrome a little bit, but there's certainly phrases that I'll say that I think are more to appease the client mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily I'm not, they're not wrong, but they're maybe vague enough that yeah. they sound good, but they're not. So I'm like, I don't know what the heck's going on right now. So I'm just going right. to say something. Yeah. And now I recognize that my old bosses had some of those same things. And when I was younger, I was like, oh, really? We never learned that in school because I was so naive. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. No, they were making that stuff up themselves because they just needed to say something. So yes. they just their phrases. <laughs> so, and it, awesome. I went through this phase. I was like, oh man, they didn't really know anything, but now I'm doing it myself. And I'm like, ah, yeah, I get it. You do know things, you know, lots of things. You just don't remember that one little thing today. Well, one of the things I tried to instill in the vet students when I was talking to them is have an open mind. And because all the love to their professors and all the respect yep. to their higher learning institutions, They are learning the textbook 
best methods, the best ways to practice. They are learning all of the amazing things that they can do diagnostically, all the alternatives to steroids. They are learning all of those things and they should learn all the things and they should learn it the right way. That's the whole point. You should learn it that way. Yes. But I let them know as gently as I could that for most of them, when they get out into the real world, a lot of what they learned is not going to be feasible. And so Mm -hmm. you're going to have to find a new way and you need to be you know, at least listen to the ones that have been around for a long time. And one thing I really encourage them is if they're doing something that doesn't make sense initially, ask, ask, why do you do it that way? Not in Mm -hmm. a challenging way, but just go, Oh, they didn't teach us that in school. Why do you do it that way? And and just keep a little bit of an open mind about it. And ultimately though, if somebody is practicing a technique or something that doesn't align with what, how you want to practice, don't practice that way. Don't do it. You're responsible for your own practice. You're responsible for what's in your medical records of your cases. Mm -hmm. And there may come a time when you have to stand your ground and that's okay. And, you know, and if you find yourself in a situation where they're not going to stand behind you in that, probably not the practice for you. Yeah. Another good point is when you interview, try it out. They are interviewing you, but you are also interviewing them, right? Mm -hmm. Try to work for a half a day or shadow for a half a day and talk to the doctors. Hey, you know, why did you do it that way? And again, with that open-ended question, open-minded, not defensive, not aggressive, just, (laughs) hey, out of curiosity, why did you do that? Let the doctor tell you or let your you know supervisor tell you and then see how they respond. Mm-hmm. I know me naturally would be like, well, this is how I do it. Why? What did they teach you in school? Is that two-way conversation there or is it, I don't have time for you. Would you know the answer? Like, have a nice day or is it, yeah. you know, somebody you can have a, like a one-on-one relationship with. Mm-hmm. So I think you can get a lot of that in just an interview or even like half day work. And we even kind of talked a little bit about that in our one episode about interview mm-hmm. questions and that kind of thing. And and that was another suggestion that I had made is maybe not necessarily in um, procedures and techniques, but look at the pharmacy that you're yeah. of the practice you're going into just, and if there's medications that one are missing now, granted, you may not know, you know, especially if you're interviewing for your first job, right. you're probably not going to know, be able to glance at a pharmacy and know that it's going to have every <laughs> single medication that you are going to want, but you can definitely ask what's the, what's the policy. If there is a medication that I would like to prescribe and it's not currently stocked, how will that be handled? Mm-hmm. Are you going to have the freedom to do that, to prescribe that? Or is there going to be some pushback? You know, and Mm -hmm. if there's a lot of hesitancy or they say, nope, this is what we use and, and they, they start fighting you on it, even during the interview, then that might be a bit of a red flag. I hate to say, I mean, I know we need jobs and I know we need money because we have debt and things, but if it's not a good fit, find a place that is a good fit. Right. I mean, even if in the first few years, maybe you're not living in your ideal community or maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, you'd rather live somewhere else, but it's a good job. You've got good mentorship. You've Mm -hmm. got, you know, the things that you want, then take that job. Yeah. You don't have to go and be in one place forever and always. Some people do. 
<laughs> yeah. So since we are in the gap and right now we've been talking, I think mostly towards younger graduates, mm-hmm. what about to those who are on a little bit of the other side? Do we have any suggestions? Because I definitely have found myself at times like, oh, these young kids don't know anything. And I'm like, oh, geez, I am turning into that person. <laughs> And I don't want to. Right. And for me, it's recognizing that one, it has been a long time since I've been in school. I mean, the amount of medical knowledge that has evolved in the last 17 mm-hmm. years is a lot. Yep. And so they are learning things that I never learned. And to just keep telling myself, be open to that and not just automatically assume that they are, I don't know, falling into some sort of stereotype or I guess that's my advice to those of us maybe on the upper end of the gap is be open to it. And maybe there are things that we're doing that could be done better. I know there are things that I could be doing way Mm -hmm. better. And if they've learned some new technique or the medicine is better or the scientific studies have come out since I've been in school and maybe I haven't been to CE on it, like learn from them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I may laugh and be like, Oh, okay. That's, that's interesting. And you know, may not, may give them a hard time a little bit, but still just have an open mind. And I think that's my biggest message to both sides, have an open mind and don't assume that your way is the way. Yes. I do that too. And then I just, who I am, I put humor in it. Right now we have a gal that she, uh, she did an internship last year and I adore her because, and it's a big joke now. It's like, (laughs) Hey, I need the young brain. Where's she at? You know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Find me the whippersnapper, you know, I'm like, she's not that much younger. Okay. Maybe she is. I don't know. (laughs) Or like today she's like, Hey old lady, like I need you to come in here and help me with my spay. And it's like, okay, that was a bit far, but no, (laughs) but it's like completely in jest. But at the same time, it's, I find it super fun. And she talked about it one day too, that she's like, you know, you guys are really good mentors to me and you're always there for me. And, you know, Thankfully, there's a bunch of us. So anytime she needs anything, like somebody can go, like it may not always be me or somebody else. Somebody can always go, but she's like, this way, I feel like I get to give back to you guys in some way. Mm -hmm. And so I think just being open to it and I don't know, Mm -hmm. throw the humor in there. Cause then I feel like it makes it not as bad. Well, you have to, I have to remember, I was a young graduate once too, and Mm I wasn't as maybe wasn't as jaded as perhaps I am now. <laughs> so, you know, and I think some of it is very sincere and they, they do have this really fresh outlook on it. And I want to be careful not to, not to squash that, you know, because mm-hmm. I think right now we are in such a culture of complaining and this is the worst and clients are the worst and Mm-hmm. everybody sucks. And, you know, it's really easy to try and break their spirits. You know, I think we yeah. can really fall into that sort of toxic space. Mm-hmm. And it's, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't talk about some of the real, real challenges and, oh, yeah. and not, not sugarcoat that by any means. And that's not healthy either, but, you know, address them and say, yeah, these are the things that suck. These are the things that are going to be challenging, mm-hmm. but here's how I have dealt with it. Here's how I am trying to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe getting a little bit of that sort of youthful optimism is healthy for us too. I love it. Feed off of it and not, not try and kill it in them. (laughs) Try to put more of it in us. And I would agree. Like, you know, the fervor that they bring to, you know, learning new things or teaching and sharing is just, it's awesome. And that 
that passion that they have. It's fun to get to see that and remember it and be like, oh yeah, that's why I'm here. Well, then it's fun too. It's fun to remember my wins and then get to celebrate them with her too. You know, the like Mm -hmm. under an hour stay. Yes. (laughs) I got this, you know, like you feel like Rocky for a minute with them just because it's, it's a milestone and you know, it might've been a long time ago, but like, it's still fun to remember that. We had a third year with us the other day and he was awesome. He was great. And we were doing some sebaceous cyst removals on a schnauzer. And he was at at first, I I don't think he realized that I was going to actually allow him to make the cut and make the incision. And he said, now I should, um, not, not break the the cyst wall. Right. And keep it all contained. (laughs) There's no fun in that. (laughs) Yeah. You, you should definitely do that. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Sure enough. As soon as he's like, Oh, you can't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Good luck with that. And then that's what I'm like, Oh, but there's C and it's so much more fun. And that's like, take this video. We're going to watch it gush out. And then one of them on the neck, there was a third one. It was really close to the jugular vein. And I had a really good time making him sweat. (laughs) Ooh, this one's really close to the jugular. You're going to want to really be careful with this one. Please tell me it was like two inches away. (laughs) Um, You know, it was, it was maybe an inch, but it was very movable. So yeah, you could just stretch the old dog skin away. And it was, Mm -hmm. but he, he, he kind of looked at me and he just handed me the scalpel. He's like, Nope, you can do it. (laughs) Like, Oh, come on. But it was really fun. And I, you know, I kind of told him at the end, I said, you know, it's really good for me to have, to be able to slow down and kind of talk somebody through it a little bit. And I said, it's good for me to kind of review how general principles and, Mm -hmm. you know, and not just be in a rush to get it done, get it done. And even though it's so hard sometimes to watch somebody, a new a new student or young student and I, they're slow and they should be slow. Of course they're going to be slow. Why wouldn't they be? I was too. And now I realize how hard it was for my mentors to watch me do that. I know. But then at the same time, it's so, I don't know. I still like getting to celebrate those moments where they are like, I did it. You know, I kicked butt. Yeah. And he was, he's like, thank you. Thanks for letting me do it. I honestly thought I was just going to get to watch. I didn't think I would get to. And I said, yeah, it's it. Cause he had made the comment that I guess you just have to get a feel for it. I said, exactly. And that you're never going to get a feel for it unless you literally feel it. So it makes me excited to kind of pursue more mentoring. I feel like maybe I am now getting old enough to consider myself a mentor. <laughs> maybe I am crossing over that gap and getting to the other side to where I and for the longest time, I get, I think I still identified myself as a young, not young grad. I mean, I haven't been a grad for a long yeah. time, but you know, that I am, I don't know, getting to that other side of things. It's interesting that you say that. Cause I don't know if I've ever, I never put it on one, one end or the other. And maybe it was just because my mentors always said that I was mentoring them. So right. even though I was younger, yeah. they were always like, nope we mentor you, you mentor us. They swap back and forth. And so I guess I've never, I guess I never thought about it that way that like, but, and I think it can go that way with doctors. And then it, my techs mentor me all the time too. Yeah. 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 Let's just call that school. When a technician talks to me, it's schooling. (laughs) This is not mentoring. This is, you go to school doc. Yeah. When our, when our main tech joined her practice about three years ago and she was fresh out of school and I was and I'm like, you know so much about techniques. 
that mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I ever learned because they don't teach you a lot of that stuff yeah, in no. vet school. You don't mm -hmm. learn restraint, really. You don't learn mm -hmm. things like that. You know, we could have an amazing episode of nothing but technician hacks. Like, like oh, you yeah. want to have all the hacks. It's they know all of them. Have you, did you ever have any, um, like really bad experiences when you were first out? I, I did not, I didn't have anything overly traumatic. Oh wait, no. Okay. I am. I do have one story. I was a fourth year and I was externing and I will not say where I was at, but I was at a practice and I was spaying a cat and the old doc quote unquote came into the surgery room. I, and I believe I was in the closing stage. I think my linea was closed and I was on, I don't know where I was at maybe skin, starting skin. Mm -hmm. And he was drinking coffee and he came in and he said, what would you do if I did this? And he poured a few drops of coffee into my incision. I was dumbfounded. I was speechless. I immediately grabbed four by fours and started like blotting. I'm like, I, oh, yeah. To this day, I have no idea what possessed the man to do that. Yeah, no clue either. I mean, and certainly this was not a place that I was ever considering going to work for just right. from a geographic standpoint. But even if I was, I was like, Whoa, that's crazy. Mm. Yeah. That's bananas. Yeah. So I guess that is like my one nightmare story of the yeah. old doc. I don't, know. I don't even know what rite of passage that would be. That's nothing, like, it's not a thing. Yeah. And again, to not like no names, no places, no nothing. There was a surgeon that I worked with at one point in time that was not a very good mentor, mm. but there was a group of us all together. So it wasn't necessarily like any one person was singled out. Well, one person yeah. did get singled out and then I just never opened my mouth again. That sounds like my anesthesia rotation. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a, a survival mode type of a deal. Yeah. I think I'm still a little like scarred from that one. There were instruments <laughs> that flew. Oh no. <laughs> I haven't really had too many hotheads. I mean, certainly people I've been around when there've been some minor blowups and things like that, but that's right. human. I mean, that, that happens, right. Right. but nothing that scarred me. The coffee thing scarred me. Like that would that, scar you. But we have discussed, I think our, our role in the mm -hmm. gap of the generations. <laughs> totally in the gap. And, you know, I think as a summary or really what the main idea seems to be on either side of it, whether you are in the middle, like we are, you are the young grad, you're the older grad, you're, you're at the verge of retirement, wherever you're at and having an open mind and mm -hmm. learning from those. So if learning from the person who's been out for years and years and years, and if they're doing something that doesn't seem like the way you learned it in school, they probably have a very valid reason for it and just ask. And you might learn more than you ever did in school by asking them why they don't do the things like that. Mm. And for the more seasoned um, of us out there, the young whippersnappers do actually know some stuff. And so they are so close to ac their academics. They are so fresh in their knowledge that we should appreciate that. And we should also take advantage of that. We should, we should soak up some of their enthusiasm and not kill their spirits. Please, <laughs> please don't squish them. We oh. like them. We want to keep them around. They need to buy our practices from us someday. So we need to keep them in the business. So let's move on. Um, we've already addressed our fail of the night. Hope Maria's resting and getting better. Feeling much better. I want to hear your hack. At the risk of over 
analyzing a topic that has probably been overanalyzed to its capacity. So here recently, I decided for the very first time in my life, I was going to buy hand sanitizer. I can honestly say I have never purchased hand sanitizer and honestly didn't even know what aisle in the store it was on. I didn't know if it was in the first aid section. I didn't know if it was the hand soap. I didn't know. I walked up and down every aisle, could not find it anywhere, anywhere. And in Kansas, we, in the middle of the country, we're much slower with all of the panic that's been happening, which it's just, you know, as the virus and everything is moving inward. Um, so I was kind of surprised that we didn't have any, I, we still had toilet paper, lots and lots of toilet paper, but we had no hand sanitizer. And so I was thinking, well, okay, now what? And then I started thinking about the components of hand sanitizer. It's alcohol and it's gel. That's really all it is. Mm. So I at first thought I could go back to the clinic and make my own. I was going to use, I was going to use the um, lubricating jelly because <laughs> we had a whole lot of it. The big like <laughs> gallon jugs. Yeah. And then, then I thought, oh, that might be a little bit slippery. And then somebody reminded me, and this was not aloe vera gel, mm. like you're, after sunburn, like aloe vera gel and that, well, now it might be in short supply because I think a lot of people have been DIYing how to make hand sanitizer, <laughs> but really it's pretty simple. It's two parts alcohol and you got to be in the 90% alcohol. I mean, you got to have it pretty concentrated mm-hmm. and one part aloe gel, like two thirds cup, one third cup, really Perfect. all it is. Done. And then put it in a little container. If you really want to be fancy, you could add some essential oils. Oh. I don't have any essential oils, but if you did, you could make them smell good. If you're really in a pinch, you might just go to the sunscreen aisle and see if they have the after sunburn aloe gel. And there were still a bunch of rubbing alcohol on the shelves when I was there. Hmm. I don't know if that's changed. And geographically, that may not be the case, but right. but you can Still. make a lot of hand sanitizer for really a lot less money. So that's my hack. Ripped out of today's headlines, how to sanitize yourself. Don't use a lubricating jelly. So, and tell me about your win. Yes. So I'm super excited, Ex- like especially talking about being older than I think I am. So I had a patient about two weeks ago. She had come in already uh, for a, an erotomy, and unfortunately, it had dehissed, mm-hmm. um, which always stinks, and it's always it a does. risk. Thankfully, best owner on the face of the planet who totally understood that this was a risk and knew that we might have to go back in. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we did. So I got in there and I was looking at it and I was like, uh, nuts. Like I haven't had to do a resection and anastomosis in a few years. Like I, I did have some after pra- after graduating when I owned the practice, yeah. but I mean, that's been a couple of years ago. And I was yeah. like, you know what? It's okay. Like I've got this. Like I remember how to do this we'll just rock through it. So we like laid out new drapes and got the technicians to get the doyens and yeah, we just took our time and got it done. And she's actually doing really well. Um, I talked oh, to her that is- talked about a week ago. Cause I was like, that, you know, five to seven day <laughs> window is kind of yep. crucial. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Um, and the dog was doing great eating well pooping everything was going good, good. So oh pooping's kind of a big thing so that, a huge thing. that's a huge thing and that's well i am impressed and i am proud of you because i also have not done 
it's been a lot of years for me too. I, gosh, I don't even know if I have the guts to do, you know. <laughs> it's like the best dad joke ever. It is a dad joke. Ah, yeah. I don't know if I have the guts to do the resection and anastomosis. All right. Um, but I have, yeah. And then we've had kind of a run on foreign bodies here recently. I don't know what's oh, been going so on. But I just blamed it on the full moon. Yeah. And so I keep praying every time I go in, please don't let this be a resection. Please, please, please don't let this be a resection because yeah, I would be shaking in my shoes on that. But so I am happy for you. <laughs> Thanks. Me too. It was really funny that I was doing it and I don't know, we practiced on cadaver intestine, you know, in vet school. And oh yeah. We had Which like the, the one, same. the one I had, no, it's not the same at all, but like the one I had was a horse intestine. And so I'm sitting there and like, for some reason that was the only one I could like visually recall myself doing in the moment. Yeah. Like since then I'm like, God, why didn't I remember that dog? Or, oh, what about yeah. the Simon Shepherd that I did? Like, why couldn't yeah. I remember those? Yeah. <laughs> those <laughs> intestines are a lot closer to the ones than the, the freaking horse could ever. But it was yeah. really funny because those were the ones I could sit there. Like as I was stitching, I was like, okay, yep. Mm-hmm. Put the, you know, put the two mesenteric yeah. edges together. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And then work your way. Like, yeah. was like, why did I remember the horse could ever? Why? Did you do an mental patch? I did not. I'm a big fan of that. I don't know if it really truly works or not, but I always, it makes me feel better to just kind of tack a little bit of momentum onto anything that I think may or may not hold. And it may just be, it may just be completely useless, but, and then the last one I went in on could never even found the actual foreign body. (laughs) You changed the abdominal air. You let out the bad spirits. Yep. Because the, Puppy did phenomenally within minutes of recovery. <laughs> that was one of the things my mentors taught me. You let out the bad air, but you were convinced there was a foreign body. I was because we had we had done barium on this. It had been vomiting for like five days, like five days, and it was a long time. The they waited forever to bring this puppy in, and and I gave it barium in the morning, and like five hours later, no barium had left the stomach nothing had left the stomach. And I thought, all right, this is done. Like normally there's a little trickle of something. Something. There was nothing. Yep. There was a lot of barium in the stomach when we went in there and nothing else. Well, thanks for sharing that when it does go back to, it kind of ties in a lot of our previous episodes of trusting that the knowledge is there. I think Maria shared that Mm -hmm. once that Sometimes you don't remember what you learned and then you tap into it and it is still there. (laughs) Imposter syndrome, that might have a little bit to play there. A little bit, a little bit. Even as many years out as we are in school, just for those younger students and younger grads that are listening, we still have wins like that. We still second guess our abilities Mm -hmm. almost every day, if not every day. Mm -hmm. And we celebrate those wins too. Well, it's not as fun with just the two of us, but we managed to get through. So we're missing our partner in crime. Yep. Here's to next week and having all of us back again. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the DVM Divas podcast. Want to know more about us? Then visit our website at dvmdivas.com or find us on all of our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest, and even LinkedIn. Just look for at DVM Divas. We can also be reached by email at admin at dvmdivas.com. Don't want to miss an episode? Be sure to subscribe. 
And while you're at it, rate, review, and share. Your online love really does help. And tune in next week as we once again go beyond the stethoscope.